the governor of the great state of Florida goes on a rampage about Disney and starts literally making comments that I'm going to get them, I'm going to retaliate against them, we're going to teach them a lesson, they're going to be sorry, and words like this. And and he even says it in his book, which I'm sure you've read. Is it a pop-up book? I'm still getting through it. Okay. I'm still getting through it. It's a Did great you buy read, the though. audio version? It's a great read. He's a great man. This is Civil Action, a podcast produced by the law firm of Cavatech LLP. I'm Brian Cavatech. And I'm Sean Kernikin, one of the partners here at the firm. And this is our podcast where we talk about updates in the law changes coming down from the legislature, recent appellate cases, and just exciting news in the legal world for plaintiff's lawyers. We focus on guests. We focus on issues. We focus on court decisions. Enjoy. So what are we talking about today, Shunt? So today we're talking about a couple of interesting developments or issues that we're dealing with. One that we're dealing with here in California, another kind of fun one, maybe not so fun, depending on who you are across the country over in Florida. But I think first we're going to talk about the crisis that California is facing when it comes to court reporters. Yeah, this is this one is starting to drive me crazy because it's not just an issue involving the hiring of private court reporters to take depositions, but it's the use of court reporters inside the courtrooms. And it has become a huge problem in California, and it is completely being driven by the unions. And it might sound boring. You might hear court reporters and go, "Eh, that's not interesting to me. I want to hear about exciting trials or new cases that have come down. No, but we'll tell you why this is so important to every practitioner in civil practice. Well, not just civil uh, across. Yeah, it's it's not just and it's not just relevant to what's going on. What's going on here is it's not just civil lawyers. This is court reporters are an integral part of the court system, right? And people don't realize this. Most lawyers don't realize the other services that the courts provide, such as child custody, family law, uh, domestic violence, issues like that that are incredibly important. And what's happened is the shortage of court reporters is the product of the fact that the court reporting test is incredibly difficult to pass, right? So you've got to be able to take down 160 words a minute, which is about how fast I speak, in order to be a licensed court reporter in California. So what that problem has led to is people can't pass the exam. You it's, want to hear an interesting statistic? I Not really, but go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm going to hear it, it anyway. Yeah. There are only nine certified shorthand court reporter programs in all of California. In 2021, only 175 people took the licensing exam. And you want to guess how many passed? I would say 50%. 36 of them passed. Is that 50%? I'm a lawyer, so I suck at math, and you do too, but I'm pretty sure that's not 50% of 175. So that's how bad the situation is. Right. There's a real shortage of court reporting. Now, it's interesting to me because it sounds like court reporting is actually a pretty good career. It pays pretty well. We're going to talk about that, especially private court reporters pay very well right now. It's very expensive. Yeah, up uh, up to thousands of dollars I mean, it's incredibly expensive, right? It's gone from, you know, being a few hundred dollars for a a short deposition to being, I think, a minimum of like $1,500 to have a court reporter do a deposition. Yeah, yeah. But they can't pass the exam. I don't understand why they can't pass the exam. Is is this generation of students just slower? Uh, like like me? 
No, but all kidding aside, I, I don't know. And I, I don't know enough to say whether it's a problem with not enough applicants or it's because it's a skill set that's getting lost in earlier stages of education. Well, Sean, if you went to law school and you knew that only 20 percent or 25 percent or whatever percentage that is, is going to pass the exam, would you go to law school? No, probably not. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, that's a that's a valid point. So either the standards might have to come down slightly to adjust or... I don't know. They have to incentivize the compensation, make it more exciting for but people. But one of the things that this. makes it a great job or career is that people can work a lot out of their home. They can make their own hours. You know, depositions now are remote. Yeah. And even if you're a court reporter in the courthouse, when you are asked to prepare a transcript, oftentimes they're allowed to sell that, right? They get, they're compensated oh, yeah. for selling yeah. the yeah, transcripts. Yeah. It's not just the service of actual recording uh, of the proceeding, but selling it too. You sell copies of it, you make money that way. But even pre-COVID, it was still a pretty flexible job. You still had the opportunity to take or reject jobs that come up. They often work through agencies and the agency tells them you want this or not. They were truly independent contractors in that regard. And post-COVID, now that a lot of proceedings are happening remotely, both court and private proceedings like depositions, it's even more flexible. So there is a problem there. If anyone out there knows why, I'd love to hear about why. Well, I think it's because it's easier to become a barista. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's it's a tough it's tough to pass the exam, but once yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, the skill, yeah. it's it's a good skill. And you yeah. know, also today, once you once the court reporter actually takes it down on their machine, yeah, and it automatically transcribes itself. It used to be that they had to long ago in the dark ages, they had to read the code and then turn that into a transcript, and they would dictate the transcript. This is probably before your time. Yeah, but they would actually sit there and they'd look at the code on their tape, and they'd read it into a dictation machine and then somebody would transcribe it and, and turn it into a so it's actually kind of gotten easier is it's gotten here easier in, in, in the sense. sense that they they can push basically push a button and the transcript will come out and then they just sit there and correct it you know they'll look at their notes and they'll correct the actual transcript so okay so there's a shortage uh big deal right you, you're, you might you're think not big deal. so interested in what used to happen right no i'm not I, I don't you know that was a long time ago that was like five seven decades ago are you talking about the 50s or 40s well a little bit later than that a little bit later okay. yeah but no all kidding aside okay so what does the shortage do you, brian's absolutely right this putting aside the civil cases where you know hopefully some of our listeners are, are practicing this really impacts the other areas of the law where people's like rights you know so, constitutional fundamental rights are at stake right and so it also protects judges because judges don't have transcripts and somebody then reports them to the commission of judicial performance there's no transcript to actually let the judge know for the judge to be able to say no that's not what happened in the hearing and this happens a lot in family law because 70% of litigants in family law are unrepresented they're improper and you know what happens in family law there's a winner and a loser and the yeah. losers sometimes are pissed off yeah and they go and they file a complaint with the commission on judicial performance and then there's no record. So it's also to protect the judges. It's to protect the system. Or it's also to protect the parties. What if a bad decision was made? What if there's a blatant misrepresentation made by the other side that caused the loser to lose? There is an appellate procedure there in place to review these types of things. And without a record, you can't avail yourself to and benefit And it drives the Court of Appeal justices crazy when there's no, yeah. when there's no record. Because yeah. they don't have anything other than the minute order and then what people said happened. So... Huge problem, huge crisis. So at this, and we're going to talk more about this crisis and how it came to be, but at this moment, any listener who's listening to this is probably thinking the same thing, which is, so why don't they just audio record it? Right. 
I mean, with my iPhone here, I could pretty easily, I'm not saying it should be done with an iPhone, but uh, you know, you never know. I can transcribe things. I can dictate with my iPhone. I can send a message to Brian without having to actually sit there and use my thumbs to type it out. And but then I have to open it up. You have to open it up and read it, and you don't like hearing from me. I get that. Yeah, no, but well, let's not say Brian. Let's say you know someone that wants to hear from me. There Who's that? Yeah, that's right. Okay. There, there aren't too many. But technology's gotten pretty good at voice to text. Seriously. Yeah. I mean this like is really good. this is seriously crazy. Yeah. Because we're recording a podcast right now and we're able to look at people and do video chats with people. And I think you were telling me the story the other day about how your father years ago said to you someday people will be able to talk to each other, you know, through a video camera. Maybe yeah. it wasn't you, no, it was it was somebody else told me that. He said he grew up in the 70s and his father said someday people will looking at a video camera and they'll have chats with each other. Which was kind of like not believable. I, I could give you an example. I used to think it was crazy when iPods first came out, you had to connect it to your computer to move the music from the computer to the iPod. And we used to say things like, imagine you could do this without wires. This is before like Wi-Fi existed. Do you think that'll happen someday? And I'm not that old. You know, I'm not like Brian. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively young. No, but all kidding aside, in my lifetime, like I've seen things that are Im seemingly impossible. So, so, the so whole, why can't it be recorded? Right. What's the issue? So that's a proposed solution. That's a great idea. What's the issue there, Brian? The union. What do you mean? The union that unionized the court reporters inside the courthouse won't allow it. They will simply not allow the electronic recording because it's in the statute. So right. the statute yeah, yeah. exists. I was say that. Yeah. A statute exists. There are exemptions already in the statute for, I think, for certain misdemeanors and certain types of preliminary yeah, maybe, hearings. Maybe limited, uh, limited civil cases or, or something. Limited civil cases, yeah. exactly. But for family law, for domestic violence issues, for there has to be a court reporter in the courtroom. In person. In person. You cannot being, have electronic yeah. recording. You can't have it. And I'm sorry, it's insane to me. I don't understand this. This makes no sense. So all that's necessary is to amend the statute and look, to allow for it in, in the other types of cases. Yeah, and look, about, right? if there were 100,000 court reporters in California and 50,000 of them were in, you know, in the soup line waiting for their welfare check because they couldn't get a job, it might make sense. Yeah. But it's exactly the opposite. There are right now in L.A. Superior Court 100 vacancies of court reporters that they can't fill, and the state has put up more money. That's what I was going to say. There's a budget for There's it. There's more money, money to bonus them, them yeah. signing bonuses, bonuses to give them more money, opportunities for them to make yeah. more money, yeah. and they can't fill the job because there aren't enough court reporters. Plus, private court reporters can work from home and do their hearings remotely, their depositions remotely from home. So, Well, don't you think this is going to backfire on the union if they keep digging their heels in on this, eventually people are going to get I don't know if the union cares about this issue backfiring on them. I mean, yeah. they're so big in California. They're so big that the union looks at this and says, why do we care? We don't care. We're just simply not going to Is allow. it just the corporate union or are they aligned with like a bigger, much Oh, no, they're union? they're part of much bigger, yeah. powerful yeah. unions. Yeah. Absolutely. Their employees of the courts are mostly unionized. And this is yeah. where this issue is coming from. But to me, it makes no sense because... You can make an electronic recording. You can have a position in the courts, doesn't have to be a certified person, who sits there and monitors the mics. Because this is one of the arguments, Sean, that these court reporting unions are using. They're saying, oh, the technology isn't there. It's not very good. It's not going to work it's well. It's not reliable. And it's, it's not, yeah, you know, yeah. it's going to be all garbled. And, well, first of all, 
even if that were true, that would be better than no record. Right. And secondly, it's not true. It's not true. I mean, it's not true. I mean, there, there's so many safeguards. You can have a automatic transcription, and then you can have an audio recording. And if there is a dispute over, well, he didn't say yes at the, in response to that question. He said no, or he said, I don't know. He didn't say no. Whatever. You go back to the audio recording, and, and, and then someone can verify. Well, what, And what also, the audio recording then is given to a court reporter. That's what I'm a saying. A certified yeah, court reporter yeah, who yeah. turns it into a transcript, yep. right? Yep. And if someone's in the courtroom and has headphones on and is listening to the auto recording, they can note if there's issues or they can they can identify if there's problems with the equipment. So there's people there that will add to that protection. Yeah. And the fact is that other states, it is auto record. I mean, honestly, this is like sitting there in 1930 going, these talking movies are never going to take off. Did you think that? Back in the 30s? Sure. No, I've even heard that prior to my time, I've been practicing for like 10 years now, but prior to that, Almost every courtroom provided its own court reporter. Right. That's that, absolutely that, yeah, right. That, that even yeah. blows me away. How do we go from that where you don't have to worry, you don't have to panic, I have a hearing tomorrow, i got to find a court reporter, I have a trial, who can do a, a trial? The courtroom just had it there, provided right. it. Court reporters were in every single courtroom in California. Yeah. How do we get from there to now? Well, you, the, know, we, we can't, the, you can't even hire The proverbial one. camel's nose got under the tent during the financial crisis in about 2010 when there wasn't the money for court reporters. The court funding for it. So Right. So the court reporters got pulled from the civil cases. And, of course, this is an important issue, which is we're now creating a justice system which is two-tiered, despite the fact that unions and other people out there sit around and say, we don't want a, a two-tiered justice system. We have a two-tiered justice system. And it works like this. Rich people bring in court reporters. Well-heeled civil trial lawyers bring in court reporters for their million-dollar cases, right? And this is one of my pet peeves in the world, which is it is too expensive to take to trial a $100,000 or $200,000 dispute. And one of the reasons is you have to have a court reporter there, which can cost, what, $5,000, $7,000 a day without even a transcript. Oh, yeah. Just to have them yeah, sitting yeah. there in the courtroom can cost a ton yeah. of money. Yeah. So huge problem. So even if you're like a well-heeled civil trial lawyer, the smaller cases become, you know, it's a losing proposition at that point. If you're going to be ten, twenty, fifteen thousand dollars of your costs are going to go towards paying a court reporter, I don't know who's going to be willing to take on a contingency case that's worth fifty thousand dollars to trial. So yeah, I think it affects the litigants. Well, and it affects the lawyers. Conversation for another day. But the fact that litigation costs in this country have been driven up by a number of issues, including the fact that. Well-heeled lawyers are reluctant to institute new rules to make it less expensive. But a topic for another day, another discussion. Today, there's a statute pending, right? A statute or a bill? There, a bill, a bill. Thank you. That's, Thank you so it's much. It's a bill first before court. I, I could teach you more about uh, procedure. I could watch, what is that, Schoolhouse Rock? Schoulhouse Rock, yeah, we're going to do an episode SB on that. SB 662. Yeah. SB 662 would allow for electronic recording. It would allow for provisional licenses for court reporters. It would make it easier, more accessible. And the list... I'm assuming everyone supports it, right? Everyone's all for it? Except the unions. I mean, the list of who supports it is incredibly long. It's just the unions are opposed to this. How do you think this is all going to shake out? I don't know. It's a very good question because of the power of the unions. I think that the bill has serious problems. And how receptive are the legislators to the pressure from the unions? Well, privately, they're with us, but they are very much persuaded by these unions. I mean, these unions have a tremendous amount of influence, sway yeah, and yeah. influence over it, right? Yeah. It's a terrible situation. And, yeah. and if you read the reasons why it's a bad idea, why the opposition comes out and says it's a bad idea, they're ridiculous. 
what is it? It's unreliable. Like, like it's un- and they turn it around and they say, oh, it's unfair. It's a, an access to justice issue. It's unfair because, you know, if it's a bad recording, it'll really hurt people. Well, you know what really hurts people? No, no court recording. reporter. No recording at all hurts them a lot worse, right? It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. And then another issue that we haven't even talked about before we go on to our next subject is just the mere cost today of a deposition in cases has gone up and up and up. The notion that the court reporters sit there and they won't take down what's kind of called the Southern California step. Yeah. It's all driven by money. We need as a community, not just the trial lawyers, the plaintiff lawyers, but as a community, we need to get a hold and let these court reporters know that they're not running the show. Yeah. That it's still a very profitable well, it's business. A, it's, a, it's a problem we deal with all the time. Where I don't want to say like, oh, money's no object and we're willing to pay anything. But without even being budget conscious, sometimes we're looking for a court reporter for a deposition. Uh, sure, if it's on the eve of the deposition, we're to blame for that when we haven't secured one already. But sometimes a couple of weeks in advance, it's impossible to find one. I recently had a proceeding in our local complex court where we needed an in-person reporter for a few hours that day, and it was impossible. Like three weeks in advance, we still couldn't find one. So it, it's created a real problem across every every sliver of society is being affected by this. Uh, yeah, and what I typically tell my lawyers now is, we tell our lawyers now is, you don't even have to order a copy of the transcript unless you know the case we need it. Unless you know the case is going to trial, you need it for an MSJ, something like that. Yeah. Don't even order a copy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it frustrates me beyond frustration. I know, and, and, and I know it's not as hot of a topic as, like, homelessness or, 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 you know, fentanyl or something like that. But if you're a litigator, if you work with or represent people by, that, that are ever going to be involved in the justice system, and many people are in some capacity, we're not just talking criminals or civil litigants, this is an important issue. So, you know, you got to look into this, talk to your legislator about it, you know, talk to organizations that you're involved with about this issue. Major issue. Not yeah. a funding issue, yeah. folks. Not a funding yeah. issue. It's the exact opposite of yeah. a funding issue. So what else What else were we going to talk about? Well, let's talk. I thought we'd spend a little time today talking about this very interesting lawsuit that Disney brought against the governor of the state of Florida. So just for the record, to be clear, I'm no fan of the governor of the state of Florida. Really? He's, he seems like a nice guy. Probably. He seems like a really nice guy. Ron Probably. DeSantis. Sure. Yeah. 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 So putting politics aside, let's talk about the core issue in this lawsuit, which I've read it. Yeah, you got to have some background, though, about how this happened. So I'll try to set the stage, and you could correct me, which you'll probably do anyway. You could criticize my context here. So Disney is the largest employer in the state of Florida. And right? the happiest place on Earth. The Disney World is the happiest. Or is that Disneyland? Yeah, they're, they're both, both. the happiest They're, they're, they're all really happy yeah. places, sure. Yeah. No, but Disney is the largest employer in the state of Florida. Do you, do, you, do you subscribe to Disney's streaming service? I do. Don't they make something crazy like three quarters of a billion dollars a month? Because of people, you do too, right? Yeah, of course. Because you watch like the Star Wars stuff. You watch like Mandalorian. Yes, who doesn't watch Mandalorian? I, I haven't seen all the Star Wars movies. How and is that my, possible? If, if many, any of my friends are listening, they're gonna make fun of me. I don't have that many friends, but and they make fun of me anyway. But yeah, I, I really haven't. I, I got to go back and watch all of them. But yeah, they make that money off of off people like us. They're a huge, huge, huge company, and and they have the a largest. small theme park in uh, in the state of Florida. I understand a small theme park. Yeah, no, they they operate on an area that's like I think larger than like forty or fifty square miles outside of Orlando. And and something to keep in mind about them, they generally try to stay politically neutral so as not to piss off their shareholders, customers, and everyone. You know, they don't get involved in politics, but. 
last year, and they've been having this little fight with Ron DeSantis now for over a year, when Ron DeSantis and the uh, Florida State Legislature proposed and passed a bill that basically bans the discussion or even mention in schools of gender identity and, 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 and to be fair, to be fair, it's in early age yeah, yeah. grades in schools in Florida. Um, they have a strict prohibition about certain topics about, you know, LGBT issues, right? Yeah, and, and Disney's former CEO, I, I think, found it uh, kind of offensive and came out against it. Well, Disney, though, is a corporation, and corporations, you know, whether we like it or not, have so-called rights, and they have the right of free speech, and they came right. out, and that's what, what the— case was that? That was the—well, the, many cases, but yeah, you're thinking yeah. about Citizens United. Citizens United, But yeah. more important than that, it's let's look at what the fact pattern is here and try to be kind of dispassionate about this for a minute at least. The governor passes this law. Disney comes out and says, you know, we don't support it. In fact, we support the LGBTQ community. We think that it's important that these rights and these issues be discussed. And we have employees. We have guests, you know. So they're trying to be neutral about it, saying that, you know, we support the rights of all people. Okay. Yeah. So then the governor of the great state of Florida goes on a rampage about Disney and starts literally making comments that I'm going to get them, I'm going to retaliate That's against right. them, we're going to teach them a lesson, they're going to be sorry, and words like this. And, and he even says it in his book, which I'm sure you've read. Is it a pop-up book? I'm still getting through it. Okay. I'm still getting through it. It's a Did great you buy read, the though. audio version? It's a great read. He's a great man. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. All my comments about Ron DeSantis are, are sarcastic here. So, But the one of the ways to do it is, so more context about Disney, they operate or they get to run something called, it's like an improvement district or something like that. Reed the, Creek. Re, Reedy Creek Improvement District. And it's kind of like a quasi-governmental entity. It's like a board, and they make decisions about what happens on Disney's land. And Ron DeSantis tries to introduce legislation to basically disband them and, and get rid of that board or replace that board to basically take away Disney's power. Disney gets to—it's actually kind of crazy, but I guess they're a giant corporation, so they, they get to do this. I'm not sure how I feel well, about they, that, but they, but they, they get they, to control you know, things like zoning laws. There's, and there's pros and cons, though, yeah. right? They, they, they fund it. They pay for it. They get certain rights. Oh, they raise a ton of tax revenue. They right. employ a ton of people. Thousands and thousands yeah. of people. I mean, Orlando, Florida was nothing before Disney World came along. Yeah. And how long has it been there? Well, the story is that Walt Disney bought the land or found the land in like 1963. It was swampland. They reclaimed a lot of it. They built this development up, you know, and now it supports other theme parks as well that Disney has no interest in at this time, but they may eventually buy Mine, them, yeah, right? Everything, Since yeah, every, it's, some, it's everyone will firm, eventually. You know, it might be the, you know, the, the Cabotec LP brought to you by Disney. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> and at that point, though, what the governor did was took away their right to run this district and to have their self-governance and had it had a law passed in Florida, right, that took it away. And right before, well, right before that went into effect, Disney, they had a, a number of board members that they probably had influence over. Disney was able to get that board to pass some kind of law that allowed them to allow Disney to control its own fate over there until what was the clause? It was something like 21 years after the death of the last descendant of King Charles III or something like that. It, it almost is like the rule against perpetuities. Right, right. Apparently, that's a common clause that's used in the UK and like trusts and things like that. But yeah, so they did that. And then when Ron DeSantis found out about it, he replaced the whole board. And now he's getting his board to invalidate they did. that change. And they, they did. And, and, they did. and, and they then moments later, this lawsuit's same, filed. I think same day or like. And the so day the after. whole premise of the lawsuit is that you are retaliating against us for our 
right to free speech yeah. and our right to make comments, which seems to be borne out by the evidence. Yeah. Right. So it's like you don't go on the record saying I'm going to get you. I'm going to get even. And I just happen to be the governor of you know one of the largest states in the United States. And I'm going to use my power in the legislature to go after you and get you. If you're going to do that, wouldn't you do it at least and not say it publicly? Right. Yeah. So the facts here and the timeline itself, I think, supports what Disney's arguing. I did listen to this stuff and read some stuff by like land use lawyers out there that think that Disney does have a pretty strong argument too. Uh, you know, people that are much more savvy than well, us. Well, it's a taking under the stuff. Fifth Amendment. Right. It's a taking. You know, you can't do this without due process of law or without just compensation. Because it's a taking of one of their rights. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the whole idea is kind of crazy too. But I think even bigger picture context, if you zoom out, why is Ron DeSantis doing this? Is this because he feels so passionate about the law and this stuff or he feels so strongly about Disney? No, it's because he's he's going to run for president. Right? Is he? You, th you think he might? He might. He just might. He just. Might. I have to get his. Audio and I heard a clip now. the other day from Chris Christie saying, "This isn't, con you know, th this is the opposite of conservative values. This is, you know, you taking away the rights of some business because of their political stance on something. You know, he's like, what, what's this is distraction? This is distraction from real issues. And so, you know, my thing here is, I, I don't care what side of the aisle you are politically. I don't care if you're conservative or liberal. But with this, I think everyone would have to agree that doing something like this, Ron DeSantis doing something like this, is it doesn't advance the cause of conservatism. It, it, it's it's well, the it government advances, wielding it, it, incredible power and taking away right. the rights of fine a corporation here. They're not they're not the little guy. Don't get me wrong, but but still, this is a business. It's a private business, and the government's just coming in and going because of what you said, because of a position you took on a political issue, we're taking away your rights. Yeah, what I don't understand is, you know, I've listened to some of these commentators, conservative commentators, and, and they, they say things like, oh, this lawsuit's a joke. This is ridiculous. It's not going to go anywhere. No, you need to go back to law school if you think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very meritorious lawsuit. It, it, most people don't realize the strength of the Fifth Amendment, the takings yeah. clause. Yeah. Which is, you know, you just can't go in and see somebody's home because you want their home and you're the government. And you can't retaliate against people. And if you do decide to retaliate against people, you're going to have to pay them for it. Well, I think Ron DeSantis doesn't give a shit about the outcome of the lawsuit. What he cares about is generating more momentum and riling people up to help his support his presidential run. Scandalous. So, I can't believe that. Yeah. So you're saying, you know, these commentators are. You I know, have to go plug in and listen to the rest lawsuit. of his book. I have, Maybe I just haven't listened to it closely. You have it on audio? As soon as I finish the Obama book, I'm going to go yeah. straight into the Ron DeSantis yeah. audio book. Is the Obama book done? Because the it's first be phase is volumes, done. Right? The first it's phase be is volumes. done. Yeah. yeah. The first phase is done. Yeah. The yeah. second phase, I don't think is out yet. Yeah. But so that when I finish the first phase, then I can go straight into the DeSantis book or should I go to the Trump book? Do you think that, you know, it's a, is it a good segue from one to the other? I mean, it's a similar theme, right? No. Hopes and dreams and, you know, struggle against adversity. And then Ron DeSantis talking right. about his crusade against Disney. It's perfect. Right. It's right. perfect. No, I'm sure it, some of our listeners are listening to this right now going, they don't like Ron DeSantis? Yeah. Well, we're sorry to disappoint you. Well, stay tuned. It'll be an interesting topic. Uh, yeah, it, topic. Is, it is an interesting topic. And, you know, high-profile lawsuits like this are always kind of interesting, and everyone has their position on it, and we, we have ours. And you might not like it, but, you know, uh, we'd love to hear from you either way. Yeah, so if you have any interesting issues like that, interesting stories, we'd like to hear from you. And thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at kbklawyers.com, probably on all social media platforms at Cabotech. LLP. Thanks, Sean. This is Brian Kabatek, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Reach out to us if you got questions, you got issues, we can help you with. Or complaints about Brian. You know, you reach out to me. No one ever privately. contacts could, me about. No one ever does that. You say that all the time, and no one ever does that. Has anyone ever reached out to you about complaints? About you?
you. Yeah. Well, I don't tell you about it because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But, you know, feel free to reach out and uh, see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.